0: Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: And welcome, folks, to another edition of the Michigan Recruiting Insider. The TMI crew is back for what is this, guys? Is this episode six now that we're on? Episode six. six. Wow. Six weeks in. Uh, we've gotten a ton of requests. People want us to do FaceTime because they want to see, you know, or Zoom, that people want to see. bryce now because bryce he he has this this new part of the podcast where he gives love tips and bryce you might be right on on time because i mean you got the you got the tank top going on right now right you know got the gun showing then you tell me you could bench press 225 like 10 times is that right right you know i might (laughs) gotta you know sun's out guns out right
2: now but yeah i got a a shot at it so i haven't been to planet fitness in a while you know (laughs) Coronavirus kind
1: of shut me down from that. So, you know, so, so wait, so that means time. 225, what, like eight times instead of 10? Probably, no,
2: probably five. Probably I'll be five. Probably five. Probably five. 225,
1: five. So, what do you think, Steve? 225, five times for Bryce's marriage?
3: I don't think Bryce could put up 225 once, to be honest <laughs> with you. That's just, uh, I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say, uh, <laughs> yeah, this, this. <laughs> he did say, he did say the AC's out in his place. I wonder if he just, if he blew it out with all of his, uh, The charisma machismo that blew his ac out of there that's what that's what i was kind of wondering i wasn't going to say anything at first but (laughs) (laughs)
1: Uh, hey bryce i mean you can moonlight love tips hitch bryce hitch marriage that that could work for you man but uh, at any rate you guys know what this podcast is really about the michigan recruiting insider we do all things michigan football and basketball recruiting if you like this podcast Be sure to subscribe. Be sure to rate and review this podcast. Help us go. Help us grow. You do that when you rate, review, and subscribe. So make that happen, and we'll keep going. We'll keep growing. Guys, the Michigan recruiting class growing and and growing in a predictable way here this weekend. Uh, Michigan picked up a... A long-awaited commitment, one that has been silent for some time. A four-star defensive lineman out of Arizona. This was the first recruit that Sean Nua began recruiting in his time uh, once he accepted the job here at the University of Michigan, Bryce. Got Quentin Somerville on campus for the spring game in 2019. And talking to the young man, he knew from that point that Michigan was most likely going to be the place that he wound up going to school.
2: It's a guy that Sean Noah personally recruited from day one. They really liked his skill set. He's versatile. And If you watch his um, high school highlights, he's playing a little inside, playing a little outside. Uh, he rushes a passer. He's got a great motor. He's big, strong. He's tall enough. Um, I know that's a big question for everyone. Is he tall enough? But he's tall enough for Michigan, so that's good enough for me. Um, and he's a guy that honestly I put on our board when he committed, I think that was a more impressive recruiting victory for Sean Noah um, than Brady McGregor, because I look at that one as Brady always loved Michigan. He's a local kid and he's a kid that I felt for a, the longest time. He wanted to go to Michigan. I know other schools crept in and made that more interesting, but I always felt Michigan felt was really good there. But with Quinn, he wasn't even, Michigan wasn't even on his radar. And so for Michigan to not only become on the radar, but then slowly but surely move its way up the leaderboard and then finally get him, I think that's impressive. And I'm not trying to give love tips again, but I know a long-term or a long-distance relationship is a lot harder than a short-term, you know. So I'm just saying, that's a, you know, for him, Sean knew to move and still keep that relationship. That's solid. You know,
1: so yeah he a couple of things go into it I mean he recruited the kid from the time you know, he was a freshman in high school uh Quentin's brother worked with with Sean at Arizona State he was a GA there uh, when Sean was an assistant so they're they're really close and and tight and when your older brother is is really vouching for a guy with you uh, that – that carries weight a, a lot of weight and so and the family i mean one of the stories that quentin tells quite a bit is the first meeting he had in in sean newa's office back at arizona state dad drops him off because he can't drive at the time and he goes up for the meeting and as soon as he sits down sean is like what are you who where, who brought you where where's where's who, your family and he's like my dad just dropped me off to tell your dad to come up here because I, I recruit the entire family. I don't just recruit you, and that was a big moment in that kid's recruiting, in that kid's recruitment. So when he got to Michigan, it was a no-brainer to, to you know, hop on a flight with his brother, come take in the spring game, uh, and check out the new digs for Sean Nua, and made Michigan feel like home. So big land for for Nua. I agree. One of the things that Quentin told me he said, I just fell in love with the guy, and by falling in love with with Nua. Uh, it paved the way for him to fall in love with with Michigan. So take me through when you told the Michigan coaches. When did you tell them, and what? Oh, take me take me through their reactions.
4: Uh, that that conversation happened very late at night um, in Arizona, and I I texted uh, Coach Nua at around midnight his time. I want to say midnight in Michigan, and um, he 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 texted me back. He said, uh, "There's nothing. There's nothing too late for this." Or he uh, I was like, "I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I sent, I'm sending this text so late." He said nothing's too late for this and he um kind of just excited. he called me immediately right after and then um the next day we were hopping we hopped on the phone with coach Harbaugh and he he was uh mowing his lawn actually he dropped dropped a lawnmower and got got all hyped <laughs>
1: up it was it was hilarious
4: but I mean just just kind of uh incredible it, it was a surreal feeling uh t- talking to those coaches and some of them I was committing uh
1: so Harbot was cutting his own grass huh oh yeah <laughs>
4: <laughs> shirt off and everything.
1: <laughs> got you, man. All right. So I I don't know if you know this, but you as of as of right now, you are right. like the highest profile. But you're all American prospect. You are the <laughs> biggest. You're the biggest uh, name. The highest ranked prospect that Sean Nua has yeah. landed in his in his uh, short time here at Michigan. <laughs> so you're like his his marquee guy so far. Yeah, gotcha. What What is it? So so tell the people what is it about sean knew oh, that that made you be like man i gotta <laughs> play for that guy
4: uh well i gotta i gotta tell him about asu back when he was at um, asu when i first met him i mean um what was I? I i was a freshman in high school when our relationship really started to grow so um i got to know him when i was um before I've, i went through this whole process Um uh, really before i actually got started getting recruited um so that that whole thing was special and then I mean, the first time I ever went into a meeting in his office, it was just me and him, and he was like, "Who dropped you off here?" Because I, I I wasn't driving at the time. I was like, "Oh, it was my dad." He's like, "Bring him bring him back up here." He's like, "We gotta we gotta talk to him. We gotta get him in the office." So, um, from that moment on, I kind of knew the person that he was and um, what he was about. And then sitting down with him in film sessions and whiteboard sessions and all that stuff, I, I kind of got to know the co- kind of coach he was. And then obviously, um, I've had the chance to work out with him, um. On a couple of occasions at some of the asu camps so that was that was another blessing i mean kind of just getting one-on-one sessions with him um kind of getting to know what he was about and i mean i just kind of fell in love with the guy he he's special for me and my brother so um i don't know he's he's a family man and and he accepted us with open arms
1: which takes us to steve talking about uh, position you know how he fits in there's a lot of talk about measurables I asked uh, Quentin, where, where is he checking in? He said now he's checking in about 6'2 and about 230 pounds. Uh, a, a, you know, size, weight sort of uh, breakdown similar to the guy that the coaches are comparing him to in Josh Uche and Mike Dana.
3: So I watched – I actually gave Quentin's film a good watch this afternoon. And one thing I was looking for is one of our longtime posters mentioned – uh, his ability with his hands at the point of attack uh, really really effective he's he's advanced I feel like and in, in that part of his game uh, and I, that's one of the things I feel like maybe sometimes gets overlooked with some of these guys it's mostly you know it's about the uh, uh, the times, the shuttles that type of stuff uh, he showed a, a wide array of pass rush moves uh, yeah like Bryce said was effective inside and outside now we don't expect him to play much inside at Michigan, uh, but also still showcase that that burst and the speed. And also, a couple plays on his film, uh, screen pass went away from him, made the play in pursuit, uh, whether it was on his side or on the other side. I thought those were a few things that really stood out to me. And uh, from more of a macro standpoint, where this one's fascinating to me, our first 2021 ranking we released, which, I mean, geez, at this point it was probably two years ago. Uh, he was the fifth-ranked player overall in the country. Second straight, and he's 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 fallen from from at least from our standpoint twenty-four-seven since then. Second straight cycle that Michigan has taken a guy who has started out really really high and then kind of slowly fell. But what I feel like is more of a change of position, or like a, maybe they didn't they're projecting him to a different position. That maybe originally, like Jalen Harrell, was a guy mm-hmm. who was just outside the top thirty or forty, uh, but was rated as a linebacker. Grew a little bit, went out and you know looks more like a defensive end now, or, or maybe a viper. We'll see wherever he ends up. Uh, but a guy who ended up outside of our top two, four, seven, uh, very similar patterns as far as the ranking and rating goes there. And to me, you know, I, if if a guy's that ranked that highly to begin with at any point in the process, there's obviously something there. I know our guys are really big on the measurables and, and, you know, from a strict standpoint. Right. So, you know, with Michigan, I don't think they're not saying that obviously the measurables are important. I mean, you're not going to you know, there's certain, there are certain parameters, but you know, I think there's, there's skill sets there fits in Don Brown's defense and, and things that these guys can do at a high level that make them maybe more
1: valuable then they appear based on the
3: trajectory of their ranking, I guess, best way to put it.
1: Yeah. I, I think that the the comparisons that they make, that they made are, are really spot on for what his, what he looks like on film and how he'll be able to utilize, be utilized. I think that he's a guy that can, that can play some standing up. Uh, you know, I think that once he gets into a college strength and conditioning program, uh, you know, you're going to see some of the, you know, some of the baby fat get chiseled off. Uh, because that, that's one of the things that I look like. How physically developed is a guy when they when he tests? I mean, it, I think that he's a guy that if he could have gone to camps or combines this season, it would have been interesting to see what the measurables, what the times were, because I, I think that's I- exclusively the reason for his fall in the rankings. I think it has everything to do with, with the testing numbers and the, the stats at the at the Camps and Combines. Not the game film, Steve. I mean, you're spot on. His film. I mean, the guy had 29 tackles for loss last year. Yep. Uh, you know, he, he is just a playmaker for one of the top programs uh, in the West. You know, Suaro, uh, they they just have big-time athletes all every single year. So it's not like this is a, a kid coming from a chopped liver program racking up stats against little sisters of the poor they he's at one of the big time programs uh, in the southwest so i i read a lot into what his film says and i think that if he were to have gotten back in a combined setting and showed that hey he's he said he's running probably in the four eights he thinks he's probably going to get a little bit faster than that if he can do that had he done that I think his ranking probably would, probably would have still been up there, but neither here nor there. Michigan, you know, ecstatic about landing him. They said he said Harbaugh was <laughs> was cutting his grass shirt off and you know dropped the lawnmower and started <laughs> jumping up and down because he got Quinn Somerville. So they're they're fired up about getting him. Question now is, guys, what's next? Defensive line wise, you know, Bryce. I think it's very clear. Number one, two, three on the board: Ray, Sean, Benny, out of Oak Park. That is the guy, one of the top guys left on the board, regardless of position.
2: Local, in-state guy, and a guy that I think that's been overlooked throughout this process. He's got about 30 offers, and it's from everywhere in the country. He's 6'5", he's 275, and teams like him on both sides of the ball. And you don't see guys that big that are wanted on both sides of the ball. It's usually, okay, we like this guy at this spot. That's where we recruit. He's so good. They like people like Ohio state like him out both sides of the ball. So he's a talented guy. Michigan's been working on him. He went up for a visit in January and that's when Michigan hit him with the, well, what do you prefer to play? And he said, well, defense, and their eyes lit up. They're like defense. That's, we would love that. And all of a sudden, you know, so they've been working on that bond, um, with Sean new and him. He's been talking with, uh, Coach Noah, Harbaugh, all the coaches throughout the uh, pandemic. And he's a guy that can do a lot. And if they can land him, that'd be a huge win for a lot of reasons. One, he comes out of position in need. Two, he's an in-state kid. And three, he's at a huge program in-state with Oak Park that produces a lot of talent. So that's a guy they really want in this class.
1: Yeah, Steve, this is we talked about in-state recruiting in episode one or two. Uh, and I think one of the points you made is that you look down the line, you lay Ray Sean, Benny and and Donovan Upwards, all the all of the hand ringing or in state recruiting kind of goes by the wayside.
3: Yeah, it's funny how that works. Uh, you know, because they, you know, all in all, like we, I think we we illustrated pretty well in that episode. Uh, they've missed on some guys, right? But overall, since Harbaugh has been there, uh, they've mostly gotten. Not every top-ranked guy, but most of the top-ranked guys that they have pursued heavily, right? And uh, you know, we'll see how this finishes out in state this cycle. But yeah, you talk about Edwards and Benny, kind of get the feel that they could be trending upwards in both of those races right now, right? I mean, it just it's kind of starting to get that feel. I think there's zero doubt now. One of the criticisms that we probably I think believe we addressed in that episode and that we've had to address on the board constantly was the effort. Right. In state, right? No doubt now that Michigan is out recruiting other programs for both of these guys. I have a hard time believing. I know Georgia's also pushing really hard for Donovan Edwards, don't get me wrong. Uh but with Benny and with Edwards, it just feels like Michigan has kind of, I don't know, maybe hit a rhythm with both of these guys and, and it really feels like it Uh, you know, at least from a perception standpoint, is just starting to pay off a little bit, you know, but again, still got to finish the deal. Uh, But Benny, I agree. lot. I think Benny, I think maybe really the two most important guys left on the board, regardless of position uh, in state, you know, just the whole, I think those are the two most important guys. And yes, I'd say that over Rocco Spindler, just because Michigan has recruited the offensive line uh, so effectively uh, under Ed Warner. Not saying Rocco uh, Rocco uh Spindler's not a really important guy, but man, I mean Ray Benny is potentially special and is at a position where Michigan needs needs some talent.
1: Yeah, the the effort point is the one that I want to harp on because Ray he he mentioned it's not just to us. He he mentioned to Steve Wolfong. Steve did a, a story with an interview with with Sean, I want to say a couple of weeks ago, and he said, you know, no one's recruiting me harder than Michigan. I said, no one. Uh and he is a this is a guy with 40 plus you know 40 offers 30 40 offers so he is one of the top recruits in the country and Michigan is sparing no expense effort wise uh you know Sean Nua all over him you know it's and it's not just not just Nua, Sharone all over him as the as the in-state guy you get uh, Jim Harbaugh jumping in with the with the FaceTimes as well they are all over this kid and he's feeling that and I think that when you when you look at some of the other schools, I remember when I talked to Sean back in the spring, and he was talking about the top schools on his list. I mean, you think about a school like Iowa, and Iowa is kind of fallen by the wayside, right? You, you mentioned a school like Kentucky. Interesting thing about Kentucky, I talked to his line coach, who is one of my, my longtime friends. When you talk about a school that in, in Oak Park, a school that normally you only talk about the the head coach and 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 you stop there. The offensive line coach for for Greg Carter for since what? 20 years. Will McMichael has been the guy. Uh, interestingly enough on the n state scene, Will McMichael is has left Oak Park, you know, after 25 years as a as a player and coach for Greg Carter. And he's going over to over to Belleville to coach for for Jermaine Croyle, so you talk about that—that's a huge land for for Belleville because line play has been their Achilles heel. But talk to Will about Rayshawn and Kentucky, and he said, you know what, Sam, I I just think that from a from a personality standpoint, uh, a temperament standpoint, he said this this he's more of a Notre Dame type of kid, more of a Michigan type of kid than he is a a Kentucky type of kid i mean this is a kid that is is super into his academics very much into into his books not to say that you can't be that way at kentucky don't get me wrong but his point was is so much in his dna that he feels like a hey, michigan is more of a fit you know he mentioned notre dame too uh but it it gets back to what i was saying you know the consistency that the, the The presence, you know, all the factors that are pointing in Michigan's direction. That's just another one. Uh, And, of course, distance from home. Now, Ohio State's still in there. Uh, Ohio State, one of the two official visits that he has locked in. He said he knows he's going to take official visits to Ohio State and to Arkansas. Uh, Don't read anything into into Michigan not being mentioned as one. Uh, Hell, I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't use one of his officials on Michigan. I mean, he's been there so much, but... I just think that Michigan's going to be very, very tough to beat between the whole staff effort that they're putting in, how much mom likes Michigan as well, and the proximity too. I just think Michigan's going to be tough to beat. Now, what about George Rooks, guys? George Rooks has been a, a guy, Steve. Now, I asked you this the last time. You got a crystal ball in for, for George Rooks in Michigan?
3: Not yet. Still holding off. He's uh He's gone a little quiet. I know, I, I think f- from from everything I know, This still feels like it's the same. If I was putting one in right now, I think it'd be for Michigan. I haven't been big on putting them in with like a, you know, we have the confidence scale. Now I'm still kind of in the boat where I'm not really big on putting one in and then just putting it in for like a two or a three. You know, I'm I'm just, I'm I'm really just going to kind of stick to putting it in when I really feel like that's where a guy's going to go. Biggest thing still is Syracuse is still out there. Not a school you normally think Michigan's recruiting against, uh, but he is a legacy. I don't believe Notre Dame is much of a factor there anymore. Um, Even with that, though, even with the legacy factor with Syracuse and stuff, I still kind of get the sense that uh, if Michigan continues to push, I kind of think that's where he's going to end up, but just not quite yet uh, ready to go with the crystal ball at this point. Gotcha.
0: Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky
1: All right, so, so let's switch gears and talk the the other side of the line of scrimmage and talk offensive line. You know, we, we've we had the, the ongoing discussion, Michigan, four offensive linemen in the fold, uh, willing to go. I've heard this. You guys have heard this. Willing to go as high as six. But you look at this board, guys, and as much as they are in with four or five guys left on the list, I just don't know that I feel like there are two guys left on the board that they're likely to land.
2: It's tough. I, they, they have a lot of good options, but the thing is at this point is I wouldn't say there's any clear cut guys that I would peg as going to Michigan for sure. And that's even with drew Kendall at this point, I'm not even sure if he's going to go to Michigan. So yeah, there's a potential that they're only going to take five and, We've been saying they're gonna take. They want to take at least five, right? But they would go up to six. That doesn't mean they're gonna get six or they want six. But that cushion is there if two guys were to want to go to Michigan. So it's probably one of the interesting things of the 2021 cycle to
4: follow.
1: Yeah, one of the guys you mentioned, Drew Kendall. I I I think Michigan has led for Drew Kendall for a while. I have a crystal ball in for Drew Kendall to. To, to Michigan you know the interesting thing with him is I think he he is really paying a lot of attention to Michigan's board and who else they're looking good with who else they land I think that's a big factor for them so here's one of the things that might work to their advantage missing on other guys might actually help with Drew Kendall I think one of the things that he is looking at how many linemen they take? You get a fifth lineman in the board. Would he want to be the sixth? Uh, is a, is a is a question now. If he's if he's the fifth lineman, I mean, think about how it works out, guys. You you got Geo at one tackle. You look at the interior, and you could go Raheem Anderson or Greg Crippen uh, at center. Uh, the other one at guard, Tristan Bounds at the other tackle. That would leave open another guard spot for for Drew Kendall. It gets dicey though if you add a Rocco Spindler in there before him. Or a Garrett Dellinger in there uh, before him, I think that's that might be where he gets a little antsy and and maybe it pushes him more in Boston College's direction. So, I think if they go five, then there's a better chance that Drew Kendall's a, a part of the class. If there's another guy that's that's the fifth, let's say Rocco Spindler is the fifth, I have a hard time seeing Drew Kendall jumping in the class being the sixth member of the class. D.
3: Yeah, I mean, it, isn't it interesting how things? shift when at like at a position like this, when the numbers start to get kind of heavy, right? Cause I mean, it's for a while, it's looked like, you know, how excellent a position they're in with a, a few of these different guys, but it's, I think it starts to creep in when maybe the numbers elsewhere don't look as, as, as bad or as, as daunting maybe as they do for Michigan. They just took six and 19 uh, took the three last year, you know, and now we're looking to fill up again, you know, but once you get, yeah, you're sitting here at four you're in on four or five other guys, You know it starts to kind of the depth chart stuff kind of starts to come into play a little bit. I know uh, last cycle, depth chart really came into play with a kid like Noah Nelson mm-hmm. who uh, ended up committing to Oklahoma. Biggest reason, I believe, is because Michigan loaded up so much in 19 that I think he wanted to pull, go somewhere maybe he'd have a little bit of a better chance to play earlier. Could be a similar situation with some of these other guys that see the numbers where they're at right now and it changes things. I mean, like I said, that's what, that's it's always interesting where it, how it shifts. You know, when situations like this, it, it can go one of two ways: either guys jump on board because they want to save a spot, or it pushes guys away because it's like, all right, well, they've already got four. I know they love Rocco Spindler, right? I mean, right? He's not—he's on Twitter. He sees you know the, the tweets and the articles. He sees all that stuff. I'm sure he does. You know, so he's got to be thinking, well, I know they love this guy too. He's right in their backyard, so. You know where do I fit in with all of this? So it makes it a little it makes it a little interesting.
1: Yeah, I think it, it comes down to uh, I think it's likely they wind up with five, and I think it's going to be Drew Kendall or Rocco Spindler. Uh, I don't think it'll be both. Uh, so time will tell. Obviously, we got to mention Garrett Dellinger. Garrett Dellinger is slated to announce his decision on on June twenty fourth. All of us, I think, all of us have crystal balls in for for LSU. Uh, I lowered my confidence level from a seven to a five because he has given Michigan strong indications that they're very much still in it. I know when he went on vacation a couple of weeks ago now, uh, he maintained contact with, with Michigan, spoke to them, FaceTime with them. I think he time with them three times last week uh, as well. So maintaining the contact to a point, where it doesn't it doesn't feel like lip service. It doesn't feel like it's for show. It feels like there's there's still some indecision there. But even if that's the case, Bryce, I I still think that the, the pendulum is, is still a little bit more in, in LSU's direction than it is Michigan's.
2: He's really open to leaving the Midwest, and that's because he's not from the Midwest. He's from Maryland and he's from a military family, which is used to traveling. So for him, it's not a big deal to go that far from home. Honestly, at this point, I would say Michigan is firmly number two, um, behind LSU. I don't think, I think Michigan, and I've been saying this has made up ground in this race, I agree, but enough, I don't think so at this point. But I have also heard that Michigan might not give up the chase after let's say he decides if he wanted to commit to LSU so that's interesting too um but he's a guy that they really like like you said they they just talked to him three times this week so you're not going to talk to someone three times if you don't think you got a shot so they're gonna keep going with him and see what happens
1: yeah and Steve I mean you you made the interesting observation about the the numbers you you have the luxury because you've loaded up on the offensive line the last few cycles, you have the luxury of not really having to I mean, quiet is kept. They don't have to, you know, get a fifth lineman. If they wound up with four linemen, this is they still have met the needs for the offensive line in this cycle. So it's not like they have to expand the board and, and go scrounge and try to try to find some guys to, to fill it out. They would be just fine. Uh, and so it it allows them the luxury of, let's say, Garrett Dellinger commits to LSU. Uh, Thomas Cole just committed to UCLA. They can continue to recruit those guys just on the chance that, hey, down the line, they decide they want to do something different. Maybe Thomas Cole decides, I want to at least take a visit to Michigan. Uh, you know, I'm not that locked into UCLA. Uh, maybe Garrett Dellinger, you know, over the course of the year, maybe he decides, ah, you know, I am I feel like maybe I want to stay or I stick around Michigan. They can afford to stay the course with those guys even if they are committed or they wind up committing to other schools. So be will be interesting to see how that one goes. But, Steve, uh, here's one. Here's one that is always a fun one for the fans, for the listeners. Who's next? People always – you get a commitment in the fold. People want to know, okay, who do you think is the next guy in the fold as far as Michigan rec- Michigan's uh, recruiting class goes?
3: All right, so no super concrete timelines out there, right? With And with that in mind, I just feel like it'll be more interesting to answer maybe who's next next just because it just feels like Christian Dixon is a guy that, that Michigan is in full control for uh, and a guy who – based on his recent social media activity with the, Hey, I'm considering all these other schools, <laughs> uh, but probably really not not considering these other schools that closely kind of feels like one of those deals where, yeah, I, I guess it's just a suspense building type deal. Right. I mean, it's not as if he's not talking to other schools or anything like that, but just feels like Michigan's in full control there. And, you know, yeah. Cause I'm big. Like, I think I was asked that in the VIP chat, like who's next. And it's like, well, if a guy doesn't say when he's going to commit, it's always hard to like right. give the best answer. But in this case, you know there are also those those non direct indications that kind of make it feel like it's building towards something. And and so yeah, I mean my money would be on Dixon right now for sure.
1: Yeah, I I agree. Uh, I think that Michigan. I think that Josh Gaddis, uh, the way that he prioritized that kid to the point of forging I think a pretty tight relationship I mean talking to the kid sounds like to me from talking to him and talking to his mom that Josh Gaddis is probably the coach in this in his recruitment that he's grown the closest to and I think that's a big deal for a kid who who has a chip on his shoulder uh you know we talked about the rankings last week right about how some some guys fell in the rankings Christian Dixon fell in the rankings and he feels a certain way about that. Modern day, we we discussed this was a transition for him coming over from Diamond Ranch, and so uh, you know I think that our guys who do a terrific job with the the scouting and the rankings, I think our guys want to see if he can build his production back up to the level that he had at Diamond Ranch. If he does that, I think very easily he could be back up at the four star level according to the rankings. I think that with Gaddis, I think that he just, I, I think he sees those tools. regardless of what happens at modern day this year or what happened last year, I think he sees a guy 6'2, 190, 195 pounds that ran a legit four-six-one uh, electric. Uh so you know that he he's big, he's athletic, you know, good speed for his size. And I think the the part that really maybe puts him over the top think about Michigan's receiver room and you got some really, really talented guys. Uh, You got some really, really good salt of the earth type guys. But when it comes to that edge, that, that demeanor, that the kind of things that you see Christian Dixon tweeting on, on Twitter, right? That, that edge, that dog type mentality. I think that's another lure for Michigan, I think that's another lure for for Gaddis, and I think there's an appreciation for it. That's one of the things that Mom said. You know, I she told me that I'm looking, and we're looking for a school that appreciates who he is. He's the type of guy who will catch a touchdown pass and tell the DB all about, you know, what he did to him to catch that touchdown pass. Not every coach likes that. It's Josh Gaddis strikes me as the kind of guy that appreciates that in doses at least. And I think that's another appealing attribute. It's one of the reasons why, Bryce, I think Christian Dixon is next.
2: He's, I would say, probably the easy choice. Um, If I had him make a wild card pick just for, you know, fun, I might say Kendall Mm -hmm. because I know he's going to commit sometime in June and July, and we're talking about timelines, and I actually know his timelines, so he would probably be a good guess. But, you know, there are things that kind of make me – Weary about that pick, and I have lowered my confidence to a four on that just because I'm not 100% sure what he's thinking. I know in one of our articles I wrote, he talked about the size of some of the schools and going from the big house to then going to playing a school like Stanford or Duke or Boston College and having 110,000 compared to maybe 50,000 or 40,000. So that's kind of worrisome, but yeah, with Dixon. He's a guy. He's another California guy. And Michigan's done really good in California, and one of the big reasons is Joe Jackson, and he's yes. been just a great, great advocate for Michigan, and he's helping a lot of recruitments, especially Xavier Worthy.
3: Man, it sounds like a
1: segue. It sounds <laughs> like a segue. Look at this guy. Look at this dude. This is, I mean, just the five episodes, and he's already mastered the segue. Oh man, <laughs> the air conditioning just broke again. <laughs> That that is right. Uh, you know, Giles Jackson. Uh, and here's the interesting thing about Giles Jackson and Xavier Worthy. They did. I mean, this. It's not like this is a a relationship that goes back. Like you know, these were bo- they were boys before recruiting. They just got to know one another. They just started connecting here during the recruiting process, and very quickly have struck up a connection. And one that is, I think, functional for Michigan. I think that that one of the reasons why Xavier Worthy is feeling Michigan is Giles Jackson. I think Josh Gaddis is the biggest reason, but but putting Giles on him, I think, was a stroke of genius because, you know, as we have watched this unfold. Now, interestingly enough, Xavier Worthy was slated to announce his decision here uh, before the end of the month, right? He's changed his mind. He's decided to delay that decision. That is a fortuitous bounce for Michigan. It is my belief that while Michigan has maintained its persistence in in recruiting him, I, you know I just get the feeling that this is this has something to do with something going on over with Oregon. I don't think it's the number of receivers that they're taking because we we knew Franklin uh, was was going to Trey Franklin was going to be in the fold. Uh, I'm hearing Dante Thornton. Uh, is is a lean to them as well, uh, you know. They're a squad that were they were talking going four receivers deep, at least that's what what the word was. So that wouldn't be news. I think something else has happened. I don't know what, but it has put him back out in the open to the point, guys, where I think Michigan is very much in play. I no longer think that you know I, I had like a confidence level of. Eight or nine with with uh with Oregon on him. I'm coming way off of that. Uh, you know, I haven't yet decided whether I'm gonna take the crystal ball off of Oregon, but I'm taking it way down from in, in confidence level. Michigan is in great shape with this young man. They prioritized him, they got Giles Jackson on him. Uh he's talking to him on a almost a daily basis, it seems like. Michigan in very good shape with uh with Xavier Worthy Steve.
3: And he just got bumped into the top one hundred. As his ascent continues, I've been calling this one for a while. I don't think he's done. I think when he gets um, on a more national stage at the high school level, I think he's going to continue to excel. And here's the other thing, going back to Giles Jackson, here's you guys got to agree here. If you're a Michigan fan, you got to want him to blow up big time this year because he is a passionate advocate for the program, and Josh Gaddis, and for a kid from Northern California to maybe become kind of a superstar level player or even a star level player for them is something that you know, like you said, somebody that he really didn't even know worthy <laughs> that well, and is becoming a factor in helping Michigan uh, try to reel this kid in. He's one of those guys. I feel like if he blows up on a national level on the field, is a guy that can really, really uh, help their recruiting become a really visible guy, you know, and not just within the Michigan market, but a guy that, like I said, if he has a big season and becomes more visible nationally, is it can be a really big asset for them on the recruiting trail. And, and yeah, I mean, we'll see where it goes with Worthy. I think the other storyline to watch there is which of the four SEC schools because his six finalists were Michigan, Oregon, four SEC programs. Interested to see if any of those four maybe really start to kind of peek out uh, from each other, you know. Alabama's already got, I think, three top 100s committed. They're in on a couple more. Uh, Auburn's the one I'm interested in because you haven't really heard much about Auburn and Xavier Worthy. Uh, LSU still around, but I believe they're trending for um, their yearly in-state top 100 receiver that happens every single cycle. And then, you know, I don't, I can't even remember who the other school is that is that he's still considering. But um, interested to see if any of those SEC programs, if if we maybe start to hear more about one of those you know but yeah first you know initial knee-jerk reaction is uh him backing off this commitment date seems would be beneficial to michigan more than any of these other programs yeah,
1: huge and it, it takes me to a message board post about xavier worthy a couple of days ago and and someone said i you know i still recruit this guy he's gonna he's gonna go to oregon and you know when they, when a kid like that on the other side of the country commits to a school close to home he never backs out why even waste your time and this is a textbook example of why you stay the you stay the course with this kid anyway even if he had committed to Oregon he hasn't visited any of the schools on his list I mean he, he hasn't visited he's never been to Oregon so it, it stands to reason that this is a young man that once he commits he's probably going to want to explore his options just to see uh, but this, I mean, before you even get there, before he even gets to the the point of announcing to Oregon, announcing for Oregon, he backs off of his commitment date. This is why you stay the course in recruiting. I mean, I know in talking to him, I and mean, he he is looking hard at at offenses. You you are kind of switching things up. You got more head out there. Think about think about the offense that that they had at Mississippi State. They're a spread to run team. When I when i talked to to Xavier worthy about what he's looking for in a school he's like I mean just spread to pass he's looking for a, a a an emphasis in the passing attack that's that's not what mario cristobal coming from alabama joe Moorhead coming from mississippi state spread to run i mean just from a system standpoint it was it was always going to be one that there, there was an opening there of oregon was the school that he committed to. So again, guys, I think Michigan in very good shape. And think about if if they get Xavier Worthy. I mean, think about what the speed looks like, Steve. I mean, this was a this was an objective for for Michigan. And over the last couple of cycles, there's been electric speed added to to the offense. And if you throw a Xavier Worthy in there, the fastest of the bunch, now you're looking like one of the most explosive, at least you have some of the most, most explosive skill talent in the country.
3: The cherry on top and an opportunity to uh, promote your uh, recent VIP piece on how much faster Michigan's been getting in the receiver room. Should probably go check that one out uh, at the Michigan Insider, right? So just went back, actually just went back and checked real quick. Haven't seen one update from our Auburn, Georgia or LSU sites on Xavier Worthy in over two months. Um, He was an afterthought in a recent update on our Alabama site. They seem to be more focused on actually a former Michigan target and Malcolm Johnson jr. Uh, So, you know, unless we start hearing more about Georgia LSU or uh, Auburn, I mean, man, you know, you got to feel pretty good about where this one might be headed. Eventually.
1: Absolutely. All right. So Bryce, uh, your request for you, man, Uh, some fellas, (laughs) some fellas on the message board. They were like, I I love this addition with, with Bryce being the Leon Phelps of of TMI. You know who Leon Phelps is? You you ever seen the ladies' man? You never seen the Uh, ladies' man? uh,
0: I I know know what it is. I know.
2: I I know. know. I'm sorry.
1: I don't know. Well, go Uh, check it out. Go check out the ladies' man, Bryce. Uh, But anyway, you got any tips for the fellas on the way out?
2: You know, relationships are hard. It's going to take a lot of sacrifices and, you know, got things. You know, if you got a beautiful Saturday out there and you want to hit – you know, couple nine, eighteen, nine, 18, but your wife or your lady wants to go to Ikea, <laughs> got to bite the bullet. You know, I know you don't want to get those shelves and build them on your Saturday Sunday, but a happy wife is a happy life.
4: Holy you know,
2: crap. and everyone, everyone needs love. I'm just trying to spread it. So, you know, I hope that helps everyone this week.
5: Did you
3: see he's reading off a piece of paper? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, and that that is, uh, just like last week, a a perfect segue into Josh Hinsky to see if he can top the love tips for Bryce marriage.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's In Your Podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: And so now Josh Hinchke joins the fold. And so the first thing you got to do is can you can you top what Bryce Marriage just offered, his latest in love tips he said, oh, "You know, if <laughs> if your lady wants you to take a trip to IKEA, versus you know your your plans to get out and go nine or eighteen on the golf course, you got to put that to the side and take that IKEA trip. Spread that, spread that love around. <laughs> and I'm just, I'm just throwing at you what Bryce threw at us to see if you can top it.
5: Well." kind of sounds like bryce is a little cheap with his money here if he's going to ikea with his lady i mean good luck with that little like wafer thin cardboard <laughs> stuff that they're gonna put together have fun with that all credit to him love the guy you know i, I can't i can't go one week without you know poking fun at bryce marriage a little bit yeah
1: here. yeah go to ikea and then take her to <laughs> steak and shake right
5: <laughs> mcdonald's dollar menu it's the equivalent
1: just playing with you, Bryce. Just playing with you. All right, so that that takes us, though, to the basketball side of things and some some news from earlier in the week. You may have heard us talk about it of a Michigan basketball insider with Tim McCormick, but no Joe Eastern not coming to Michigan. And as I said to Tim, Josh, not surprised by that outcome.
5: Right. No, i I, I right there with you. You know, I think um... – it just, everything from the very start just didn't seem right. I don't know. It was, it's hard to explain. It just, it just, the whole thing was weird. You know, the announcement out of the blue, you know, usually we have a pretty good idea of of things coming down the pipeline in terms of news. And, you know, it's very rare in this day and age where we are shocked when we, when we hear news, you know, in regards to Michigan and, you know, no gel, you know, discussing his transfer, um it was it was very strange you know obviously he wouldn't wouldn't talk to anyone you know literally zero outlets got any information on him all they got out of his mom was a no comment um just the whole thing is the whole thing was just just weird so i'm not really surprised it ended in a weird fashion either i
1: didn't see the the fit from a couple and i'm not just talking about fit for his game all right uh yeah i i just didn't think the you know the dynamics of of Michigan fit what he was looking for. So uh, between the being a focal point offensively uh, and and being that this year, I just a I didn't think he was going to get immediate eligibility. B, who is he? Especially once they got Shondi Brown, I mean, where where in the in the top of the the option menu is he? Does he fit? Uh, certainly, he isn't going to be above Franz or 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 Isaiah Livers. You're thinking maybe he was thinking he could slide in and be the third piece, but not with Shondi Brown coming into the fold. So I just I, again, I'm I'm not surprised that it didn't that it didn't because I didn't think he would stay through having to sit out. That's the other thing I know. Tim Tim is of the mind that they are the NCAA is going to be really lenient with waivers this year. Got to see it to believe it. You know, what was the basis for his request going to be? Uh, I, I just didn't hear any optimism coming from anyone on the inside about him gaining immediate eligibility. And that brings me to another point. It should be noted that Michigan still has not announced Shawnee Brown, they never announced no Joe Easter. Now, I'm not saying that to suggest that Shawnee Brown won't matriculate to Michigan. I'm not saying that.
5: But yeah, I, no, absolutely.
1: But I, I, I bring I bring up Michigan not announcing no Joe Eastern to reply to Dick Vitale, who said, you know, Michigan should have they should have known this before before they announced no Joe Eastern was coming to Michigan. No Joe Eastern announced no Joe Eastern was coming to Michigan. Michigan didn't announce it. So you should uh, you should direct that in the appropriate direction. Not at Michigan, certainly uh, if if the this this credits not transferring thing uh, was was a a sticking point. Uh, you know, because you have picked that up. I've never heard of that. So I could see how you could miss that. Uh, Josh, I, I've never heard of so many credits not not transferring. This is a unique case. so I could even with Juwan, even if he had been the coach for 10 years instead of one. I can see how something like that might have been missed. So, but but as it stands though, they didn't announce them so where where's this criticism uh about what's this criticism about? They shouldn't have announced this, you know, be before finding this out. They didn't announce it. Hey, but here's what we know. The guys that Michigan signed in last year's class all are are checking in, going to be ready to go for Michigan. And it brings about the question about impact and what should we expect. This is a riff off a question that I got via uh, via Twitter. It was like, so what impact do you expect Hunter Dickinson to have? Do you do you think that he is is going to take some time for him to be an impact guy, or will he be an impact guy right out of the shoot? Was the question that came at me via Twitter, uh, and I think you know this about me. Josh, I think that Hunter Dickinson is gonna be Michigan's starting center.
5: Yeah, I know you and you and Tim have talked about that extensively. Um, you know, I I, I do appreciate Tim's uh, you know, perspective on things. Obviously being a former player himself and an NBA player and you know, his extensive resume and and you know, he's extremely high on on Hunter as well. And um, you know, I, I, I think what he says holds a lot of weight in terms of, you know, projecting where you know these players are going to stack up and uh, i think you know history kind of you know it sorts hunter favorably i think you know i think he's he's getting into a situation where there's definitely big man minutes available um obviously you got austin davis there who do we know as has he reached his full potential yet does he have another gear that hunter may have which then let's be honest, probably does have, I think Hunter from an athletic standpoint is, is going to be much more advanced than, than Austin will in his last year. And I think that, you know, the ceiling is, is way, way higher and um, yeah, it, it would not surprise me to see Hunter come in and, and even, even become a day one starter. You know, I think there might be a, there, there's going to be a little bit of a, uh, a curve of, of sorts, um, in terms of learning and, and growth and hitting that little freshman wall a little bit. But, you know, you've got a, a positive history of, of Juwan developing big guys in terms of Austin's growth last year. Um, and, you know, I, I, and there's nothing that suggests that won't happen again with, with Hunter.
1: Yeah, he's seven two. So, I mean, that's right. what <laughs> you just can't teach that. Uh, it's one, his, his back-to-the-basket game. Uh, you know, for a freshman, is already already going to be pretty refined. I mean, I think when you look at Austin Davis, it, one of the questions about him is, you know, he was so good in twelve to fifteen minutes. You know, do, does he, it, it, veteran he may be, and uh, reliable he is, uh, but do you do you diminish his production, his level of efficiency, if you say instead of twelve to fifteen? you know, give me 25. And so I, I think that, you know, I, I think that his role will, will he play more minutes? I'm sure he'll play a few more minutes, but I, I just don't think that they are going to try to push him to be a 25 minute per game guy. Uh, I don't think that's too much to ask for, for, for I mean, Hunter, 7'2". He's 250 pounds. He's going to be able to bang. Uh, if you know anything about his background, he's a guy that that makes a habit, has made a habit of, of getting work in with pros or would be pros. One of the things that I found out recently is he has been working out, he doing a shutdown with Luca Garza. So think oh. about what that'll mean when if Luca Garza comes back to Iowa and they face off, uh he will at least have seen him before, kinda know some of his tendencies. That doesn't mean that he'll be able to stop Luca Garza. Uh right. but it, <laughs> it it gives you an idea of the kind of work that he's putting in. Uh, physically, he's going to be ready to go. I think he'll he'll step in, and from day one, I think he'll be Michigan's best uh, post player. Uh, he can he's reliable out to eighteen feet. He can hit a three, uh, but his his damage is done inside the arc. Uh, the The biggest question mark about him has to do with uh, his athleticism, especially on the defensive end of the floor. You know mm-hmm. how how will he defend athleticism? How will he be? As a pick and roll defender, he has gotten uh, more nimble uh, as he has gotten more into the weight room. I think he's a guy that's going to benefit tremendously from from John Sanderson. We've seen him really grow guys up and get them to be more explosive, quicker, faster, stronger. So it, it may there may be some times say against the Luka Garza where uh, you can see some some defensive issues emerge, uh, but I think that. The improvement that he he's made over the last year or so maybe will make him not be the defensive uh, have the the level of defensive issues that some of the scouts maybe thought uh, with him that that maybe are subduing some of the expectations for him as a freshman. I think he as a as as a first year guy is going to be the most productive of Michigan's incoming guys.
5: Yeah, I think that's a pretty safe bet because you're looking at you know depth chart wise, I think. You know, I think by default, you know, you could, you, I guess you could factor Brandon Johns in there as well. But, you know, I think he's Brandon Johns is more of a four than really a five. But I mean, you've got Austin Davis and then really what else, what else do you have? Uh, obviously, with John Teske being gone. So, you know, the, the, the by default, he's going to have plenty of opportunities to prove himself out there and, and, you know, show Juwan that he can earn the minutes that, you know, that he could potentially have, I think um you know the opportunity the opportunities are there and 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 just from a from a I guess path to the court type of deal I think he's got the best best odds you know maybe you could you could technically make an argument for a Terrence Williams and and maybe even a Zeb Jackson but Zeb Jackson's got a long way to go too in terms of his game but you know from a from I guess a day one perspective, a path to playing time, you know, I, I'd have to agree. Hunter Dickinson definitely has the, the I guess easiest route, if you want to say easiest, but you know, the, the the best route to have a have a, you know, carve out a really decent role for himself in year one.
1: Yeah, Zeb is. I mean, I think a lot of people look at the the vacancy at the point guard position and they say, oh well, you know, Zeb Jackson slides right in there. I think that a few things make that a question mark. Number one, physically, I mean, he is an explosive guy, but he's slight. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, we talk about Hunter Dickinson being physically ready for the, for the banging in college basketball, or certainly the big 10, you know, that's, that's a little more of a question mark with, with Zeb Jackson. And then, you know, he's, he's always been more of a combo than a, than a pure point. Uh, And so Uh, you know running the show as a true freshman not to say that he can't do it but that's again another question mark don't know that it'll that it'll get to that point i think right now they're probably looking at mike smith to be that guy uh and now that is not not, there's no guarantees Uh, if, Mm -hmm. if zeb comes in and wows uh then there's certainly i think they would give him the reins but uh, and Mike Smith, you got a guy, Columbia might be, maybe it was Columbia that he played at, but he still played four years of college basketball. Uh, he's a high IQ guy. Uh, he's been able to score at a high clip. If it gets to the point where it looks like he can't be the the, the trigger man, that he can't be the, the pass first guy, he's always been the shoot first guy. In his role at Columbia, can he be a pass-first guy? If it gets to the point where it looks like that's uh, that's something that's outside his wheelhouse, then you start looking at the other options. I, I just think that the next option would be Eli Brooks, right? Mm-hmm. And, and then maybe it's Zeb Jackson. So I think I think Zeb's progression is probably going to be slower than than Hunter's because from a physical standpoint and because of what he's going to be asked to do. Isn't as uh, it, it isn't as um, consistent with what he did in high school as what Hunter did. I mean, Hunter is going to be doing the exact same thing that that he was doing yeah. at Dematha, right? Yeah. Not necessarily the case for for Zeb Jackson. So uh, you mentioned Terrence Williams. I, I just think that you got a you got a lot of guys in front of him. Uh, you know, physic yep. physically, physically uh, you know, a, a guy who's going to be ready to play. Uh, but I think that it's going to be more of a season where he's he's learning the ropes and then is ready to take the reins after that. Same thing with, with Jace Howard. And I wanted to spend some time on Jace because I think people view him, they look at him as, you know, a, a throw-in. And I, I just think that he is going to be so much more than that for Michigan. I think he's the consummate – I call him glue guy. Mm-hmm. As one of the things that I talked about with Tim. You might appreciate – I don't know if you're, you're – old enough to appreciate me mentioning the name Jerome Williams, JYD, the junkyard dog for the Detroit Pistons, former Georgetown guy. Now I'm not saying that Jace will ever be Jerome Williams. I, I only mention Jerome Williams from a style standpoint because Jerome Williams, he was a volume rebounder. He, he, he rewind, rebounded well for his, his size. Uh, he played both ends of the floor. So he was a plus defender. Uh, he cleaned up around the rim, so he, you know, he was a guy that was always good for a lot of putbacks. Uh, he could hit you, he can get your elbow jumper here or there. But he was your, he was your everyman. He was your glue guy, and that to me is what I see when I see a, a Jace Howard. He's not a guy that's going to be a primary guy offensively, right? You're not going to run plays for him, uh, but he's going to go get the ball off the rim. You know, he's gonna, he's gonna sometimes he's going to maybe get you eight, nine, 10 rebounds. Uh, He's going to be a guy that finishes on the break and he is definitely going to be a guy that is a reliable defender, kind of a poor man's JYD, if you will.
5: Yeah. He's, you know, people are going to, let's be honest, people are going to look at him and say, okay, nepotism because that's Juwan's son and they're going to look at his, you know, his path to Michigan, right? He was, uh, you know, committed originally bumped down to a walk-on status and then you know when things fell through he was bumped back up and people are going to look at that and go okay well yeah like you mentioned they're going to consider him a, a throw-in but like you said I mean th- these are the type of guys that can help you win games if they can develop you know like like they think like the coaches think they can you know the considering where Michigan is at in terms of depth and, and where things stand on the depth chart, you can afford to take a guy like Jace and kind of, I guess, push him along slowly in, in terms of, I mean, he's not going to, he's, he's not a, he's not going to be a a type of guy that comes in day one and, and, and is that consummate glue guy role player off the bench. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's going to take some time and obviously there's guys with more experience in front of him and that that's just the way it is. Um, but, like you said, I think there's definite promise there. I mean, the kid can play. I mean, let's let's absolutely play. the kid can play. I mean, he did some of the NBA earned. camp he, earned he, that scholarship.
1: Yeah. He held his um, own at the NBA camp. I was right, that, that was one right. of the things that, that stuck out to me watching him with all those top hundred guys. Uh, all those things that I just said, watching him down there in, in Richmond ran the floor extremely well. Yep. was a plus defender, uh, you know, a guy who at six, six or so, uh, rebounded extremely well uh, for his size. And I think that's going to be, that's going to be an asset. I mean, there, there are guys on the floor that they just do the grimy stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I mean, think about Jay Sean Tate. Now he's not Jay Sean Tate. I'm just talking about a guy that, that does all that dirty work on the court uh, is why I mentioned Jay Sean. I mean, they're different players offensively, uh, but you know, attitude wise on the floor. They're they're similar. And I think that's one of the things that, that Jace is really gonna gonna bring to the fold. So uh wanted to spend some time because that was a question we got via Twitter. Tell us about these incoming freshmen and what kind of role you think they're gonna play as as true freshmen. I think that it Hunter Dickinson for sure. I think he's gonna start. Then we'll see with, with Zeb. We'll see how things work out with Zeb. I think he has a shot to be a rotation guy, but we have to see how things work out. Uh, how things work out with Mike Smith really is going to determine a lot. But if if Mike Smith can can run the show, if Shondy Brown is uh, is immediately eligible, it, it kind of reduces the demands coming in the door on a mm-hmm. guy like
5: Zeb. Yeah, abs- absolutely. You know, in in the whole Mike Smith thing is interesting too because. You know, I I've I've seen before. You know, oh, is is Mike Smith going to be another Jerron Simmons, where you know he didn't quite exactly fit in the whole system until kind of late on in that NCAA tournament push, and and you got to think, you know, Juwan Howard's system is is much more simplified compared to a John line offense. So a guy like Mike Smith, a four year guy like like Jeron was you know, I think he'll have a much better time fitting in. So, you know, how exactly Mike Smith fits into that point guard position will kind of be really interesting in terms of where kind of the pieces fall because you're right, like what what is Zeb exactly? I don't think we quite know yet. Is he a point guard? Is he a shooting guard? Or is he somewhere in between? Is he a combo guy? Um, you know, I, I think right now I I, I wouldn't – personally trust him to to, to run the offense and, and, and run the floor yet i mean uh, that's just you know that's because he's just so young and so slight he's got a long way to go um but yeah i think a lot of it a lot of it has got to do with you know either like and, and eli brooks too. can he handle point guard duties which i believe he he could i think eli could be a, a pretty pretty good point guard too so um yeah, there, there's a kind of a, a few dominoes that kind of have to fall into place here to see. Kind of, it'd be interesting to see, uh, you know, how exactly things stack up and and how Zeb can can see the floor and, and, and exactly what really what capacity he'll see the floor too. Yeah, uh,
1: exciting to see how it all plays out. Uh, exciting to see the future of this podcast, which continues to go, but you can help it grow even more. If you Make sure that you subscribe to this podcast. Be sure to rate and review this podcast. That's how we keep it going. That's how we keep it growing. Uh, Episode six now in the books. Can't wait for week seven. Josh Hinchke, great job, my man. Uh, Until next week, stay safe out there. We'll see you on the boards over at the Michigan Insider.
5: Yes, sir. Thanks, Sam. Okay,
0: picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.